This podcast is sponsored by Talkspace. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and Talkspace, the leading virtual therapy provider, is encouraging people to talk it out in therapy. By talking or texting with a supportive, licensed therapist at Talkspace, you'll gain insights, discover truths, and experience breakthroughs that will improve how you live and how you feel. With Talkspace, just answer a few questions online, and you'll be matched with a therapist. And because you'll meet your therapist online, you don't have to take time off work or arrange childcare. You'll meet on your schedule, whenever you feel most at ease. Plus, Talkspace works with most major insurers, and most insured members only pay a $25 copay or less. No insurance? No problem. If you want to make progress toward a mentally healthier place, Talkspace is here for you. Now get $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80 when you go to Talkspace.com. Match with a licensed therapist today at Talkspace.com. Save $80 with code SPACE80 at Talkspace.com. Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour 2. Greetings, conversationalists. Welcome. It's Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Should you wish to be on the program, be patient with me. I spent so much time complaining about this holiday shakeup at Emory Health Systems um, that I got a lot of other stuff I got to talk about. And I need to talk about and begin talking about Joe Biden's got some problems. Uh, wow, does he have problems? Um, so we got a piece by Rui Diera. He is a Democratic uh, pollster and strategist. He's been paying attention to trends. He's the guy who essentially projected that the Democrats over time would build a coalition of white suburban, white-collar voters and blue-collar voters of America. And, uh, well, 2022 whiffed a little bit because he, he the factors related to January 6th and abortion and stuff like that. But we now have data. We, we actually have good data. The release of a characteristically thorough analysis by Nate Cohen of the New York Times provides abundant and persuasive evidence that the trend of Democrats emerging problems with non-white voters is upon us with no signs of going away. As Cohen notes, Biden leads Trump by a mere 53-28 percent margin among voters uh, in a merge of the 2022-23 Times Siena College polls, which, by the way, was the only polling firm to dial in 2022 near with near-perfect accuracy. That's why that matters, because we have the real-world results from 2022. We know how those races turned out. And the Times Siena poll almost nailed every single race. They were the only A-plus pollster from 2022. So you take the data that they got right— You merge it with the exit polling that is always very good because you're actually talking to the people who actually showed up and voted. And you have some pretty bad data for Democrats right now. Biden and previous Democrats' support shows a decline in non-white voters. Here's what Cohen writes. This is Nate Cohen from the New York Times, their data analyst. 
Democrats have lost ground among non-white voters in almost every election over the last decade, even as racially charged fights over everything from a border wall to kneeling during the national anthem might have been expected to produce the exact opposite result. Weak support for Mr. Biden could easily manifest itself as low turnout, as it did in 2022, even if many young and less engaged voters ultimately don't vote for Mr. Trump. Many of Mr. Biden's vulnerabilities, like his age and inflation, could exacerbate the trend as non-white voters tend to be younger and less affluent than white voters. Issues like abortion and threats to democracy may also do less to guard against additional losses among black and Hispanic voters who tend to be more conservative than white Biden voters. They may also do less to satisfy voters living paycheck to paycheck. Mr. Biden is underperforming most among non-white voters making less than $100,000 per year, at least temporarily erasing the century-old tendency for Democrats to fare better among lower-income than white-income non-white voters. The Times-Siena data suggests the emergence of a fairly clear education gap among non-white voters as Mr. Biden loses ground among less affluent non-white voters and those without a degree. Overall, he retains a 61-23 lead among non-white college graduates compared with a mere 49-31 lead among those without a four-year degree. Democrats may simply have misjudged what is most important to non-white voters, reflecting perhaps the increasing domination of their coalition by white college graduate voters, virtually the only demographic among those the party has been doing steadily better. Let's review the most recent data. A May Washington Post ABC News poll asks, who do you think did a better job handling the economy, Trump or Biden? Non-white respondents felt Trump did better. In an August Fox News poll, two-thirds of non-white voters rated their personal financial situation as only fair or poor or barely over a quarter said the Biden administration made them better. Respectively, 46, 54, and 56% of non-white voters say gas prices, grocery prices, and utility costs are a major problem. Biden's net approval among those voters is minus 25 on handling inflation, minus 22 on handling the border, minus 8 on the economy. A recent 6,000 respondent survey conducted by the American Enterprise Institute Survey Center on American Life and the National Opinion Research Center, 57% of non-white voters say Biden has accomplished not that much or little or nothing during his time in office. In the Liberal Patriots' recent survey of American voters conducted by YouGov, most non-white voters believe the Democratic Party has moved too far left on economic and cultural social issues. On economic issues, 57% of the voters say Democrats have moved too far left. This does not mean non-white voters are becoming Republican. Don't misinterpret the data. That's how a lot of people interpret this data. The data looks like, oh, all these people are turned off from the Democratic Party. They're going to become Republican. <laughs> no, 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 that's not the way it works. Because you know there's an option between voting Democrat or voting Republican. It's called staying home. Staying home. You got to find, find voters. You got to find them where they are. You got to cater to their issues, and Biden's not doing that with these voters. So, all right, I, I want to step back from this and 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 just talk with you. 
because there's an issue. I was thinking about this the other day before this topic even came up. I am friends with Donna Brazil. She won't mind me saying this. I, I y'all, I I love that woman, and I know there are conservatives who react viscerally, and I did too because when I went to work at CNN and was there with Carville and Begala and, and Donna Brazil, they were the enemy. I mean, they were like the Clinton people. And then I got to know them and realized, you know, they, these are multifaceted people. We disagree on politics, but I really like like care for these people. And, and I just I adore Donna Brazil. She she is the one of the funniest people I know. She cares for my family. She prays for my wife. My wife sends her pecans every every year for the holidays, so she has fresh pecans for all the cooking she does. She does a lot of cooking on the holidays. I will never forget one time she told me that she realized she was out of line with her black family from South Louisiana because of how pro-life her family was. Black Catholics from South Louisiana, they were pretty pro-life, and she realized that I'm living in Washington, D.C., surrounded by political people, and I'm out of of touch with with people, my family. And she says, I I had to tell the Obama team, you got problems with this constituency on this issue. you got to be careful with it. And then I know Van Jones. I don't know Van Jones as well as I know Donna. He was coming to CNN as I was leaving, but I have always liked the guy. And, you know, I was one of those people when I was at Red State and it was lighting him on fire. Obama's talking to this communist. This guy's a communist. And it's funny when you get to know people sometimes that they're not the the monster you think they are. And, and so, well, there are some who are. He's not. He's actually a dedicated family man, loves his family. My gosh, that man uh, he would bleed for his family, and that's what I admire. But he, we, we see the world completely different, except, except, except. Van Jones gets unmitigated hell from the political elite for being a black man on CNN who says things like this survey is that the Democrats are losing non-college-educated black men. Van Jones says that on television. Van Jones gets unmitigated grief for saying things like this, and he's right. He's right. And that, that those two conversations led me to be thinking about this before this even showed up, that, you know, look at MSNBC, Joy Reid, Mitty Hassan, they, they play to the progressive white viewers. Joy Reid is an adult who only got into Harvard because of affirmative action. She admits that. Mitty Hassan is a progressive elite with a British accent who caters to the needs of white progressives who listen to MSNBC. They're court gestures, court gestures to the white elite who watch MSNBC. The The viewership of MSNBC is like 60-year-old white people, and I'm not making that up. That's what the demographic surveys show. Uh, white progressives, coastal elites, they watch MSNBC. There are not a lot of black voices on television who actually cater to the black community. Charlemagne the God, the, the radio show host, is one of the ones who has a massive following because he says things. He's a liberal. He's a Democrat. But he's way more connected to the black middle class and and lower income groups than the people you hear on MSNBC. 
And most of the people you hear who are supposedly reflective of that community tend to be white progressives who think it's no big deal and is a great thing to give people off Juneteenth and make them work on Christmas Eve. They think that's a good thing. That's what white progressives think. And black progressives who cater to the white progressive community, that's what they think. I mean, keep in mind here, this is it. And and I got to tread lightly here because I know how some people will take this and in, in, uh, when you talk about these issues and, and you're a white conservative, you get labeled a racist, whether you are or you're not, when you talk about these things. But this is the truth. There are a bunch of people at the upper echelons of society who are white, who have opened the door to black people who sit at the table with them, provided those black people don't think differently from them. White progressive elites love diversity so long as that diversity is skin color and not thought. And when you work your way down the income ladder, what you find is black, white, Hispanic, Asian, they think a lot alike about those white people at the table in the conference room who let the progressive black people sit at the table so long as they didn't disagree with them on anything. And they don't like them. They're far more likely to like a Ron DeSantis or a Donald Trump or even a Nikki Haley or even a Chris Christie than they are to like one of those white progressives in the Democratic Party. And the Democrats have a problem because when they sit at the table to talk about these issues and figure out the problem with the polling and what they're seeing in the polling, the black people they've let sit with them at the table are only there because of their skin color. They're not there because they have different ideas. They're not there because they see the world differently. And so you get an amen chorus, a multiracial amen chorus of homogeneous thought. So they're not actually talking to the black middle class. They're not actually talking to the black moms who go to church and take their faith seriously. They're not talking to the Hispanic women. They're not talking to the black men unless they're college educated with an advanced degree and talk just like the white people who sit at the table. They're going to Ibram Kendi, and they're going to Hannah Nicole or Nicole Hannah Jones, who tells the white progressives exactly what they want to hear, who sing from the same hymnal, and just have different skin color. And the result is a Democratic Party is listening to white progressive voices, and the black voices the white progressives have opened the door to. They're not listening to anyone else. They're not listening to middle America. And so just like you have Republicans who look at the polls and say, well, the polls are wrong. They're not telling me what I want to hear. You have the Democrats look at these polls and say, well, the polls are wrong. They're not telling me what this multiracial group of progressives who all think the same thing think. I can't tell you the number of white progressives I know who pride themselves on a multiracial group of NPR listening friends who nobody I know thinks these things because you've surrounded yourself with a diverse skin color group who still think the same things and live the same lives in the same neighborhoods, insulated from the rest of the world. And that's starting to get the Democrats in real trouble. And those people are advising Joe Biden, which means he's less likely to be able to adapt to the problem that's out there, which is they're losing blue-collar black and Hispanic voters who think more like blue-collar white voters than think like Emory University graduates who sit around the table making people give up Christmas Eve. 
I am a small businessman. The company that I run for my radio show, it's a small business. I've got employees. I don't have HR. You may be in that situation, and you may really need HR. Well, you may want to talk to Bambi. When running a business, your employees can create all sorts of interesting situations, and they could get you in trouble. What happens when two employees are squabbling? One of them smells bad all the time. What do you do? How do you navigate the rules? With Bambi, you get access to your own dedicated HR manager starting at just $99 a month. They're available by phone, email, real-time chat. Onboarding and terminations run smoothly. Team members reach peak performance. Your business stays compliant with changing HR regulations. Let Bambi handle your employees for you. Their HR autopilot automates important HR practices like setting policies, training, and feedback. Listen, you want U.S.-based HR managers who give you experience, expertise, a personal touch you need to make it seem like they're a part of your team. They can cost eighty grand a year, but Bambi starts at $99 a month. Schedule your free conversation today to see how much Bambi can take off your plate. Go to Bambi.com right now. Type in Eric Erickson under podcast when you sign up. It'll help you. It'll help your company grow. It'll help you keep peace of mind. It's spelled B-A-M-B-E-E. Bam. B-E-E.com. Bambi.com. Type in Eric Erickson. Hi there. Welcome. It's Eric Erickson here. The phone number 877-973-7425 if you want to be on the program. Okay. This is another one of those great disconnects between um, really wealthy, secular people, regardless of race, and everybody else in America. This is from the Center Square. Chicago Teachers Union President Stacey Davis Gates, who has been an outspoken opponent of the state school choice program, is sending her child to a private school. According to the Illinois Republican Party and other reports, Davis Gates took office in 2022 to lead the third largest teachers union in the country. Since taking office, Davis Gates has publicly spoken out against the Invest in Kids Act, which allows people to pay scholarships for students to attend private schools rather than attend public schools in Chicago or throughout the state. Donors get a 75% Illinois income tax credit for their contributions to the program. If legislators do not extend the program, it ends at the end of the calendar year. So we see this happen in a lot around the country where the heads of teachers' unions are there, well, sending their kids to private school. They don't want your kids to be able to go to private school with their kids. They don't want your child to have access to a better education like they're getting their kid. And it, it's 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 awful in my mind that this sort of stuff happens. I I, I don't like this level of hypocrisy uh, that we get on the left when it comes to these debates on school choice. And so much of it is really truly grounded in a racism that we don't want poor black kids to tr- come to our private school. So let's deny school choice that would give them the opportunity for better education. It, it's it's paternal racism. And this this union leader opposed to your kids coming to her kid's school sends her kid to a private school. It's ridiculous. Like the economy right now. 
uh, ups and downs of the stock market and all things. You know, the NASDAQ is being hit because of the Chinese decision to ban iPhones in some uh, areas, and it's so heavy on Na- on Apple now, and Apple stock is down. I'm a shareholder of Apple. It's driving me crazy. You know, Swiss America, they've been the precious leader in precious metal, the precious leader, the trusted leader in precious metals for 40 years in this country. Easing the ebbs and flows of stock market turmoil with precious metals might be good for you. If you're interested, Swiss America has a great deal for you right now to get you just get your foot in the door with precious metals. The silver coin, the Walking Liberty half dollar, you can get it for thirteen fifty each. Deliver that's thirteen dollars and fifty cents each. Limit two hundred fifty coins per customer while supplies last. I've got one. I've got the full dollar one as well. They're gorgeous. They're gorgeous. You can get gold coins from Swiss America as well. They can help you blend it into your portfolio. All you got to do is call or text them, 800-289-2646. Just text them my name, Eric. Message data rates may apply. Visit SwissAmerica.com slash Eric as well. Mention Eric when you call or text 800-289-2646 or SwissAmerica.com slash Eric. Message data rates may apply. Hello there. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. Um, I I want to spend a little bit of time talking about the Republican primary for a few moments because a notable shift has occurred. One of those shifts, and if you're a subscriber to the newsletter, you're going to be getting this data soon, is there's a big surge happening for Nikki Haley among independent voters and Republican-leaning voters. Um, She has seen, I mentioned yesterday, a 1,000% increase in small-dollar donations out of Iowa. She has seen now suddenly standing-room-only crowds in New Hampshire. Full disclosure, I got to say, I am a longtime friend of Nikki and Michael Haley's. Um, I I know them. I like them a ton. Um, She has always been kind. I I killed a plant that they sent to me, though. Um, But I I know Nikki and Michael. They're they're good people. They are really good people. She's never lost an election. Uh, You never lose one until you do. Uh, And it's interesting to see a campaign that really hadn't caught on with anyone until that debate. And suddenly she has, has caught some lightning and is running with it and seems to be helping. And in the meantime, she's competing with Ron DeSantis. DeSantis is now noticeably shifting his attacks and sharpening his attacks on Donald Trump, including needling Trump about his lack of social media presence. I want to begin today because we we need to go back and and review some of the COVID policies, we're starting to see Republicans get a little fretful about the return of masks, mask mandates, suggestions on booster mandates that might come. DeSantis is taking this on and tying it, of course, to the Trump administration. For months, you know, May of 2020, summer of 2020, fall of 2020, you know, even January of 2021, you know, I was getting uh, hit by the, the White House task force under Trump. Not, this wasn't even Biden, this was Trump. January of 2021, weeks before he left office, they were sending us missives to Florida saying impose a mask mandate and close bars and restaurants uh, and businesses. And that's what they were pushing. And that was pretty much uniform throughout uh, the political and bureaucratic uh, sphere. 
uh, and it was driven by people like Fauci with no regard for what that would mean for people's livelihoods. And so, you know, we had to be the one to stand in the breach on that. Um, and I just look at like somebody, you know, like a Fauci, you know, part of the problem with our country is that bureaucrats like him have been coddled. They've been put on a pedestal. I think the way you treat bureaucrats like Fauci is you tell them you're fired, get lost. That's what you need to be doing. He used that line on stage with me at the gathering a few weeks ago as well, that he would have told Fauci, you're fired, echoing the Donald Trump show on television. Um, but there's more. He also he had this uh, exchange with uh, Dave Rubin in his podcast. This the morning, President Trump was on Hugh Hewitt's radio show, and uh, Hugh asked him about firing Fauci. And Trump's exact quote was, you're not allowed to fire him. I suspect you probably have a, a different take on what you can do with these civil servants like Fauci. Sure. Well, first of all, it's important to point out for a long time, that was not his excuse. His excuse had been that if you fired Fauci, both the Democrats and the media would have pitched a fit, which, of course, is 100 percent true. Uh, but that's the price of leadership. you got to stand up and do what's right. Um, clearly, he could have been fired from the White House task force. There was no obligation to run him out at press conference after press conference, have him doing media interviews. You know, during the, the height of kind of the COVID stuff in 2020, Fauci would do local hits in Florida media attacking me uh, for having schools open and some of these other stuff. So there was no obligation to do that. I think you could have also fired him uh, from NIH because he had basically uh, committed uh, misconduct with the gain of function. Uh, you also had him uh, saying that it was naturally occurring when they knew it was a lab leak. All that stuff has come out now. Uh, so I think, yes, you fire him. And here's the thing, Dave. If it's the right thing to do, you do it. If they sue you, they sue you. But you had the basis to do that, and you should have done it, and the country would have been better off had he done it. I don't think anybody disagrees with that. Uh, one more, this, this slight at Truth Social made me laugh believes that I'm a threat to his ambitions. That's the only reason he's saying this. Uh, if he didn't believe that, he wouldn't be saying any of it. So it's obviously bogus. I mean, half the country visited F Florida over COVID, and you're trying to say California, New York, and Illinois uh, handled it better? Uh, give me a break. So sometimes I think, you know, you want it, you, you should re be responding. But I think sometimes, like, the more he does that, uh, I think it helps me because I, I kind of wish, like, he had broader reach with some of his social media because I think just putting <laughs> that stuff out there, I think it hurts his credibility uh, more than anything, especially because he's on the record saying how good a job we've done in Florida in the past and especially because his entire family moved to Florida under my governorship. Such a good answer. It's notable. I, I, I play these clips because it, it, it's notable that suddenly there is this decision to criticize Trump more directly than had been done. Uh, there has been, I, I, I should say, I have knowledge of uh, donor pressure on all of the candidates to finally start criticizing Trump from the right, that they feel like Trump's gotten past. Let me let me give you some data on DeSantis. You know, his polling numbers have gone down. He's still in second place. According to a Real Clear Politics polling average, DeSantis is in second place, and he's actually starting to trend line back up as Trump is trend lining down. But, I mean, it's kind of insignificant when you look at the numbers because it's uh, Trump – 
up 53. DeSantis, 14.9, so 15% to 54%. He's got a 39 percentage point lead. Haley has definitely surged. Ramaswamy surged a little bit, but oh, Ramaswamy's not doing I'm convinced it's got to be performance art. Uh, but, but donors ran the numbers. Let me let me give you a true fact. And I say a true fact because people like to quibble with anything you say these days, and this one is not disputable in any way, shape, or form. More money has been spent attacking Ron DeSantis since January than against all other candidates, Republican and Democrat combined. That includes Joe Biden. That includes Donald Trump. That's every presidential candidate, Democratic and Republican side. More money has been spent to attack Ron DeSantis. And by the way, it's worked. It's absolutely worked. Now, what's worked more is Trump's indictment. When you see uh, the, the the idiot DA of New York indict Trump, uh, his numbers begin to surge there, and they've kind of held on since. But also, commiserate that there have been no attacks on Trump. Now, there are some people who think, well, it doesn't do any good as supporters are loyal. Some of them are. Some of them are. But if he's the front runner, you got to attack him. You got to try to drag him down. The candidates in this race have been making a conscious decision to allow external events to take care of Donald Trump. They've essentially they've hoped the indictments, the investigations, the prosecutions they'll weigh on Trump, and to a degree they have, but not with his core support. But they've taken out his money. They've taken out his ability to respond. They've taken out uh, his ability to, to do rallies. He's been having to do telephone rallies because he can't afford to fly a 757 around right now. I mean, seriously, the he's got about $6 million left in the bank. He's got to pay his lawyers in four cases, in four locations. He's not even helping uh, his co-defendants, and some of whom are starting to turn on him. You, you've got Mark Meadows in, in, in trial in – Georgia on the stand essentially throwing Trump under the bus. It's time to bring on the attacks. If you're gonna if you're gonna kill the king, kill the king, and you can't even attempt it if you're not going to engage. DeSantis looks like he started to engage more pointed attacks. And it's uh, pointedly on COVID at a time COVID's beginning to surge and you're starting to have mask mandates come back. You're starting to have a, a greater demand. Some school systems are closing again, uh, putting masks on kids. There's a school the other day I said they saw there's an outbreak among third graders of COVID and they've demanded the entire school go back to masks. There's a way to go after Trump. And meanwhile, DeSantis has now got to look at his rearview mirror. People were thinking it was going to be Ramaswamy, and it's not. It's Nikki Haley searching on him. Nikki Haley, her crowds are growing. Uh, Ramaswamy is, is becoming more and more like performance art. He actually went on MSNBC, to his credit, to Mitty Hassan, not a, not, a, um, not a smart man. And Mitty Hassan surprisingly got the better of Ramaswamy simply by asking Ramaswamy, to answer a question that he's previously answered, and now he denies he gave the answer that he gave. 
You say he behaved in downright abhorrent behavior that makes him a danger to democracy. Yes, what was it so that was downright? Let's tell let's me what be, he did that was downright let's abhorrent. Let's actually be let's actually be really fair to your audience. So on January 10th, 2021, thereabouts, days after that incident, I wrote an op-ed in the Wall Street Journal arguing that censorship was the real cause of what happened on January 6th. Which when asked true, in response, yeah. somebody asked me the question, are you that, that's that's well, that's what I wrote. I'm giving you the facts okay. of what I said. That's a hard Understood. fact that was published in The Wall Street Journal when pressed on. Was that condoning what Trump did? My answer was no. There is a difference between a bad judgment and Understood. a crime. And, and we you're need to my be question. able to tell the what difference in this country. What did Donald Trump do, no, I'm not avoiding in your view, that was downright abhorrent? Second time I, I think that the thing that I would have done differently if I were in his shoes not what I asked, is Vivian, I would have respect. declared re-election on That's January 7th. I'll ask that, it a third That's exactly time. the thing what I would have done. What did Trump do that was egregious, quote, downright abhorrent and a danger to democracy? Can you just explain to our viewers your words? So, 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 so you're, you're mixing two different quotes. But what did I think was reprehensible about what happened that day? Look, I think that the way a true leader should have handled that situation should have been to actually say, this is me running for re-election, yep. not actually litigating what is already passed in behind us. And I would have done things differently. That is not a crime, though, I, what I, he I did. I understand. And the reason I have been so vehement... You keep saying no, what you would have done. I just want to hear from your mouth. No, no, I would unless not, you're scared of him, yeah. why won't you maybe, say what maybe, he did that was maybe, downright I'm not abhorrent? Gonna, I'm not... <laughs> I mean... He actually, at the time, said what Donald Trump did was uh, abhorrent and a danger to democracy and has now been asked three times what exactly – and he won't answer the question. And and so then uh, Hassana asks him about uh, why did you tell people that you, you didn't have money when you got the George Soros scholarship to go to college and it turns out your family actually was wealthy at the time. He says, I never did that. And Hassan plays the actual audio of – Ramaswamy talking about being a poor kid, and then that's how he got the scholarship. Um, it, it's it's brutal. I, I is is this George Santos's doppelganger running for president, or is this performance art where in a couple of weeks you're going to have Ramaswamy going on MSNBC laughing at all the people supporting him, talking about how they were rubes for believing him? Uh, it, it's this is just a bizarre thing. It is a bizarre thing. Um, so you, you've got. Ramaswamy imploding on his own words, Nikki Haley surging, and now DeSantis also uh, upping his attacks on Trump. One more from DeSantis, and they're all focused on COVID. I think they're in court now. They want to be able to reimpose mask mandates on commercial air travel. So they are going to do whatever they can get away with. They are going to use that to their advantage however they can. You know, that's why one of the things, I, I'm really the only guy running for president that talks about one of the things that I will do as president is we are going to bring a reckoning to the CDC, the NIH, the FDA, all these agencies that were responsible for really bad policies and lying to the American people about so many different things. Because if you don't have that reckoning, they are going to continue to try to do it again. So we've got to make it clear that what they did was wrong, what they're trying to do now in its infant stages is wrong, and we can't let this happen to our country ever again. Interesting way to take on Trump 
and he's trying to do it. We'll see if it works. I know what works, the Eden Pure Thunderstorm. It wipes out the pollen and the dust that's floating in the air of your house. It's filterless. You don't have to get a filter subscription for it. You just wipe it out on occasion. Not only that, it eliminates odors, and this is where it shines. Smoke odors, litter box odors, pet odors, cooking odors, musty odors. I carry this thing with me when I travel. So, for example, uh, I have had a rental car where someone was smoking something in the rental car, and it smelled like a skunk. And my mom actually thought a skunk had been hit. And I was like, no, mom, that's not a skunk. And I was able to use the Eden Pure Thunderstorm to wipe out the odors in the car. It oh, so much better afterwards. Same thing, same trip, musty hotel room. Something about going to Louisiana. <laughs> A musty hotel room. The Eden Pure Thunderstorm cleaned the air. It just, it works. You can get three of them for less than $200. You go to EdenPureDeals.com, EdenPureDeals.com. The discount code you use on the front page of that site is ERIC, E-R-I-C-K. You can get three Eden Pure Thunderstorms for less than $200. You're saving $200. You get free shipping. You clean the air. You can hold them in your hand. You can keep it in your travel bag. You got one for upstairs, downstairs, your basement, wherever you need them. EdenPureDeals.com. The discount code, ERIC. Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson. Uh, this is happening just now in the Heed U.S. The Senate. from the American people and let's learn the lessons of the past couple of years. Mandatory masking was a failure. It had costs for very little benefits and we shouldn't repeat it. Mr. President, as of in legislative session, I ask unanimous consent that the Senate proceed to the immediate consideration of S-2738, the Freedom to Breathe Act, which is at desk. Further, that the bill be considered read a third time and passed and the motion to reconsider be considered made and laid upon the table with no intervening action or debate. Is there objection? Uh, reserving the right to object. Senator from Massachusetts. This bill would undermine the ability of states, of cities, and towns across this country to make decisions about what's best for their communities. It would silence and hamstring public health experts who have guided our nation out of the darkest days of a pandemic that has killed 1,139,000 people in our country in three years. That was Senator Markey of Massachusetts objecting to Senator Vance just now on the floor of the Senate. Vance trying to get unanimous consent for legislation that would bar mask mandates in the country. Democratic Senator Markey saying this is uh, would hamstring state and local leaders and public health officials. You can see where this is headed, people. You can see where this is headed. Uh, just in time, I guess, for next year's election season, we'll be full bore masks again. Uh, and drop boxes and stuff again. Um, so the question is, this time, will Republicans play by those rules or will they sit back and say, we're not going to play by the rules and give the Democrats the election again? Whichever way it happens, if Trump loses, someone's going to, they'll all claim he was stolen again. Um, but we can see we can see the playbook, uh, the fear-mongering. It'll be great for ratings in the press, I guess, as people get scared again and mask up. There's already a surge in masking happening all over. I, and again, I do want you to understand the whole theory about masks is not to protect you from getting COVID. It's to stop you from giving it to other people as gravity adjusts the airflow and the viral particles go up or down through the mask. It just it's you're not saving yourself wearing a mask. If you have COVID, however, you may be helping somebody else. We'll see.